Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. Today's title is this, What's Love Got to Do With It? If you remember years ago, Tina Turner made a song by that title, famous, What's Love Got to Do With It? And part of that song is, you know, what's love got to do with it? I'm not going to ask. Last time I asked you all to sing these, you knew it and it was horrible. But anyhow, (laughs) what's love but uh, what is it, a uh, secondhand emotion, a cheap old-fashioned notion? Boy meets girl to thrill, the touch of your hand makes all, you know, she goes on and on, but basically says, but what's love got to do with it? Nothing. It's just sex. It's just excitement. It's just physical attraction. And I think she even says that in the song. So what's love got to do with anything? I mean, the world out there just does what they want to do. You know, how many people will say, and sometimes I think the men get accused of this worse than anybody, but I guess women can do this too. I just hear more stories about men. You know, you're dating some guy, you're lonely, seems like the right thing, and all this guy, you know, he gets his arms around you, and you're going from vertical to horizontal on the couch watching a blockbuster movie, and he whispers in your ear, oh, baby, I love you. You've had that happen, haven't you? There, that that laughter. All right. He starts whispering these, and interestingly enough, what do we call them? Sweet nothings. And the man starts saying these things, oh, sweetheart, I love you. He says, no, let's wait. No, I love you. I want you. No, what he's saying is, I love me and me wants you. <laughs> and I'll say whatever I've got to say to get you. And really, when you get done, you know, the woman says, well, he loves me. It's okay. Well, if he loves you so much, why is it that once he's had you, he's history? What I say is, if you love somebody, you'll wait. And if a guy's telling you that he loves you girls and he's pushing and pushing and pushing, you need to ask yourself, you know, maybe he doesn't love me. Maybe I should wait and see how long he stays around, whether he gets what he wants or not. Now, I think women can be manipulative in other areas. You know, let's not just bash the men today. Women are like, what do you mean by that? (laughs) We don't do anything like that. Um... But there are a lot of things in life where really love has nothing to do with it. We throw that word around. And if you look in the New Testament, there's really, there are three words, and some of you know this, some of you never heard this, so we'll go with it. There are three words in the Greek language that can be translated love. There's a word philos or phileo that is a word that's just like a friendship love, but in a Christian context, it's a very intense kind of love. There's a word that is never used in the New Testament, in the Bible anywhere, that is eros, that is just a physical, this kind of Tina Turner kind of love she's talking about. It's just, what's love got to do with it? Nothing. It's it's just just purely physical. Eros, this fleshly love. And then there's a word that is only used seven times in Greek literature anywhere, and Christians have taken this word, Christianity took it and adapted it, this word agape, a word for love, and we use that word in an unconditional sense. It's God's kind of love that keeps coming whether we give anything back in return or not. It's just he loves us. 
And this word is used in the New Testament, and one of the places I want us to look, and some of you this is very familiar, but I'm going to assume that nobody knows anything and just go from there, because sometimes that's the case. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there is a chapter in here, and frankly, there's a lot of controversy, not controversy maybe, but tough stuff being said in the passages in the chapters before and after. But in the middle of all this, they're talking about speaking in tongues and all these spiritual gifts and things are getting out of hand. And in this, he addresses in this book, you know, they do the Lord's Supper and people show up early and eat all the food before people get there. And people are getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. And, you know, there's just this wild stuff going on. And Paul's writing saying it's not what it's about. And in the midst of all this, there's just this thing that happens, this chapter out of nowhere about love. And he begins in verse 1, chapter 13, and he says, basically, look, you're doing all this stuff and all these spiritual things supposedly are going on and God's at work, but if love is not central to what you're doing, you're not doing anything that matters. And there are a lot of things done under the name of God or Jesus or religion, people doing, jumping through hoops and doing good things, but really it's not out of any kind of love. They're just trying to perform for God and try to get God to love them, and it's manipulative instead of just this pure agape kind of unconditional love. Verse 1 says this, and this is Paul speaking. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I knew the languages, tongues of men or of angels, whatever language they use, if I could speak all of those languages but have not love, I am just making noise. I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. It is nothing but loud noise. Without love, you're just making rackets, like clanging a, a brass cymbal or a horn going off. And it's just that. It's just noise. And then he says in verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy, if you had the gift of prophecy and you understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Now, guys, do you hear this? He's saying if I had enough faith to look at a mountain and say to that mountain, get up and be moved in the sea and it disappears, but you don't have love and your motivation is not love, you're nothing. God is not impressed by even the way we exercise our gifts and the power he's given us if they're not exercised in a spirit of love. And there are people out there with spiritual gifts that are doing things, but they're doing them out of self-motivation, self-promotion, trying to make a name for themselves, and they're powerful things that happen. But God says if your motive for doing them is not love, then you are nothing. He says here, I am nothing. Not that it profits me nothing. He says, I am nothing. Now this one may get closer to home. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Now think about this. Let's say you just got a wild hair and said, oh, I'm going to be a good person from now on. And you went home and got everything out of your kitchen, everything that's edible out of your house, not the things that are growing in the refrigerator, of course, but <laughs> all the things that are edible. And you took all of that and went out into the streets and gave it to homeless people and gave all your food away. Okay. I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Right, let's go another step. Let's say you said, not just my food, I'm going to sell my cars, my house, I'm going to take my clothes, everything I have, I'm going to get it down to the bare necessities, I'm going to have a shirt on my back, some clothes to wear, and I'm going to give everything I have away. Man, that sounds pretty impressive, doesn't it? 
mean, what kind of person would do that? He says, though I bestow all my goods to be the poor, there's one. And though I give my body to be burned, if you were literally willing to be sacrificed, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now guys, before we go any farther, think about what this is saying. Whatever you are doing out there, even if it comes across as a good deed or that you are a good person, it does not impress God unless your motivation for doing it is love. Because if your motivation for doing it is not love, then what you're doing is manipulating somebody. And really, what's love got to do with it? If you're trying to make a good impression on a boss or a co-worker or a family member or a friend or even God, and I'm telling you this goes on more than anybody realizes. We say, well, God loves me and I love God. No, it's unconditional. It's grace and all that. It's great. But we do these things and we go, hey, God, look at this. Look what I just did. Guess you owe me now. You got to toss me a bone or two here this week. Because I'm doing good stuff for you. And I think he knows when it happens, and I think we know when it happens. Because you feel it. You get this pride thing, you go, wow, I'm, that's pretty neat. I took some, you know, old underwear down to the homeless shelter, you know. <laughs> Were all the people laughing, you've done that? How does that work? <laughs> that's a pretty scary thought. I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. I give my body to be burned, but have not love. He says, it profits me nothing. What does it mean? It's a waste. Now, it's not, guys, that it doesn't do somebody some good. But in terms of you and God and what's really supposed to be going on, it's just a waste. There's another passage in the Bible that talks about, in Matthew, I think it's 6, it says, when you pray, when you give alms, when you fast, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who stand out on the corner, oh God, and they want everybody to hear them and bless the missionaries, and you know, God's a three-syllable word when they play, God, you know, and it's this, you've heard people like that pray, he says, don't be like that, get in your closet. In every one of those three instances, he says, the hypocrite, the person who does it to be seen, he says, they have their reward. Their reward is being noticed by someone. Someone comes in and throws some money in the trumpet head thing in the old temple where you gave your money. They'd throw coins in to be heard. And, oh, oh look, he gave a lot of money and everybody's in prayer. You know what? That's his reward. But he says, when you give alms, when you pray, when you fast, do it in secret. And it says, your father who is in secret will reward you openly. Guys, you don't want the rewards you get just like that. You want the rewards you get from him. But your motivation is going to have to be different when you do it God's way. Now then he gets in, he says, all those things profit you nothing. Verse 4, then he starts describing what love is. Love suffers long. Yesterday, and I'm just going to throw this out, and I don't know if anybody's gotten this yet, and I may get buried when I share this. I announced, kind of said, that if you're interested in starting a Bible study in your office and there's not one in your building or in your office, I'd be willing to come and help you get one started. We started one two weeks ago, had about 15 or 20 show up for that. We started one at Hunt Oil this week. We started one at TU Electric on the second floor yesterday and 35 people showed up. Let me tell you something, guys. Well, that's... Something is going on in this city, and there is a wind blowing, and people are in trouble in one group, and I'm going to say where, 
But guys, the first day we have a time of this devotional Bible study, then we take prayer requests and see what's going on in the room. And the goal is not for me to come in and lead these groups and stay forever. It's to discover leadership inside your company and let you lead it and you do ministry and you reach the people in your building and the people downtown. But I'm telling you, just like that during the prayer requests, things started coming up, just things that nobody knew. People that worked together for 15 years, 20 years, didn't know about each other. And serious stuff about family members, alcoholism, drug addiction, family members in prison. At one place, half the room raised their hand because they had family, friends, or somebody they knew that was in jail. And some were on the way, literally. So there is a lot of need out there, guys. In one case, one woman started a lot of these instances about husbands or wives, family members they're concerned about. Let me tell you something. You better have this kind of love if you're going to survive that kind of trouble. Love suffers long. And if you don't find out who this is and what kind of love this is, you will not survive in a marriage. You won't survive in a job. You'll just, you will not make it. This is more than a word. This is more than just stuff on a page. And you can quote, some people can quote the whole thing, all 13 verses, but it doesn't change their life. And I am determined to encourage people and help people understand it is not just about believing that the Bible is true and even knowing what the Bible says. It is about living this stuff and applying it to your life and saying, God, I know the Bible says love suffers long, but I don't have that kind of love because I don't want to suffer. God, help me understand. Give me this kind of love that suffers long, that is patient, which is basically what that means. There's little words, but they're huge. Love suffers long and is kind. Are you kind? Am I kind? The things I hear come out of my mouth, you know the worst things that come out of my mouth? The most unkind things that come out of my mouth, they're not with church members. They're not with you. You know the worst place? With my own wife. You know, that ought not be. And God's been after me about that. You know, we say things to husbands and wives and sometimes kids. You know why you do it? Because you can. <laughs> Unless somebody says, you know what, you're not going to talk to me that way anymore. But before that happens, somebody say, you know what, I'm not going to talk to you this way anymore. You say, but I think you're right. I think it shouldn't happen, and I'm not the one doing it. My husband is. Then you know what? Do the first one. Suffer long. You want him to be kind. The same kind of love it takes to be kind is the kind of love it takes to suffer long. And while you're praying and waiting and saying, God, why is this person so harsh? You know, give me patience. But let me be kind even when they're not. Turn the other cheek. The great thing about it, you only have four. All right. Um, <laughs> love suffers long and is kind. Now stay with me now. I know I'm, I'm rattling some of you. been in church too many years. You can't laugh anymore. <laughs> love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Now guys, I'm giving you tangible ways. People say, well, how do I know I have this kind of love? If you walk around jealous and envious of everybody else and everything they've got and everywhere they get to go, they went on a cruise and I didn't. She got a new diamond ring for Christmas and I didn't. He got a new boat and I didn't. You're just jealous all the time, guys. Something's wrong about that. You can talk about having love all you want. What did she say? <laughs> yeah. That was somewhere between amen and well... <laughs> Love does not envy. 
Now, guys, I'm telling you, there's a way to tell whether you are living this kind of love. There will be manifestations in your life. You'll be patient. You won't understand why. You'll be kind. You won't be able to explain it. You won't go around being jealous of everybody else. Envious. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It's not arrogant. This town is so dadgum arrogant. It's almost like got a, some kind of spirit of arrogance and pride over it. We're somebody because of what we got or what we do. The great thing about being in the TU Electric deal yesterday, you know what? There were people from every floor, 40-something floors. There were secretaries, all kind of positions. You know what? When you get around Jesus, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. If you find yourself parading around all arrogant and puffed up, and I'm telling you, it is so easy. And I'm going to give you some very tangible say, well, I still don't think I understand. <laughs> I'll give you a way. You get on Central, the toll road, 30 East, the South, either way. <laughs> you get in your car and look over at some poor soul who has a 19-whatever, 68 Matador, whatever they're driving. <laughs> And you are driving a 1974 or something, okay? And you look over and go, well, my car is better than that. <laughs> I mean, you're in a heap yourself. You're comparing yourself to somebody else, and you're constantly, and then somebody goes by in a newer car, you go, well, who do they think they are? <laughs> he thinks he's some hot stuff. Well, a minute ago, you were a hot stuff compared to the Matador. You're not arrogant. You're not always compared. You're not envious. All this stuff goes together. Verse 5, does not behave rudely. Like enough said. Does not seek its own. You're not always looking out for yourself. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. Guys, this would keep us busy the rest of the year just trying to do these two verses. But it's not enough to know what they say and to memorize them and to you know know what they are in Greek and all this. You got to say, God, do I love this way? Am I rude? And if I am, why am I rude? And is there a way not to be rude? The Bible says, if you got this kind of love, you're not going to be rude. You say, there's nobody live this way. Precisely, you say, God, I can't be this person. He says, I know. If you'll get out of the way and let me live in you and through you, I am this person. And I can be this person in your life and through your life, and what you can't do, I can do, and you'll make a difference everywhere because people will see a difference. You put a person like this in your office that is patient, kind, doesn't envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, is not rude, does not seek its own, is not provoked, it thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in the truth. You put that person in your office, guys, somebody's going to notice. How many of you have somebody you know close to this, if not this person, working in your office? Raise your hand. Now, that's an awesome thing. Let me ask you a question. Why isn't it you? How is it there are people around us? We're high-fiving now, huh? <laughs> They're down here doing their own thing. Now let me ask you something. How is it that those hands went up and some people say, I know somebody like that. You know why those people are that way? They made a decision to get the heck out of the way and let God live in and through them and be this. You say, well, I can't do that. That's what I'm telling you. You can't. So you go to God and say, God, I ought to be this person. 
I'm tired of watching other people do it and being impressed and, and thinking, man, I'd love to be like Barbara or Tom or whoever this is you're thinking of. God, I want to be this person. He says, then get out of the way. Let me live in you today. And when you go to be rude, just say, Lord, I'm about to do it again. You be yourself in me. Don't let the old man come out. Let this new person come out. And do it one day at a time. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Now I'm going to go a little bit far, and I'm not telling you I'm there yet, not time-wise. I can't watch Politically Incorrect anymore. I used to turn that on late at night and watch it. I can't listen to it anymore. Now there's stuff, unfortunately, I can still listen to. But you know what? The longer you live and the more you try to do this kind of stuff, I'm not home yet. But something happens to me and I just say, God, I can't listen to this. It's not that it's not funny stuff. It's just something about it hits me wrong. And I say, God, that's not funny anymore. And it's their humor is if you listen, just turn on talk shows late at night. Guys, it's 60% sexual innuendo. And it's stuff that 20 years ago, five years ago, wouldn't have made it on TV. And we get desensitized. And the book says this kind of love doesn't rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. Verse 7, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It goes where nothing else will go when nothing else can go. And it keeps going and it keeps going. Verse 8, love never fails. This kind of love never fails. But he says, where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there's knowledge, it will vanish away. And then down in verse 13, for the sake of time, I'll skip down there. And he says, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, why is that true? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Because faith you need because you can't see the future. Hope you need because you don't know what's coming. you got to have hope. But let me tell you something. There's a day coming when you won't need faith because you'll be home. You won't need hope because you'll see him. But love will always be because that's who he is. Even faith and hope cease, but love never cease. It is the greatest of all, this kind of love. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything. And my prayer for you and me today is that we don't just live a religious life, but we get in touch with this person who is love. The Bible says that God is love. It doesn't define him in that way about anything else. He is love. And if that's who he is, that's who he wants to be in and through me. This is a list and kind of an idea of what that's going to look like or not be when it's working. And I pray for us that it is real stuff that someday when the hands go up again about how many of you know somebody like that, you will come to that person's mind because you made a decision to let God live in you and through you and love in you and love through you and make a difference. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. All right, let's pray. And our Father, I thank you so much again for this time and this place and just a chance to be still and know that you're God. And Father, help us get beyond information 
and knowing there are some great scholars, Lord, whose lives are just completely upside down. And it's not bad to know these things, Father, but you even said in your word, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Apply these things to our lives. Father, let the information lead to transformation so that somebody somewhere sees the difference in our lives. And it is so noticeable that they have to ask and we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that's within us. And for anybody under the sound of my voice, Father, who doesn't know you personally, and it's all been religion for a long time, but they understand maybe for the first time today that God loves them, that you love them, Father, that you gave your son to die, suffer on a cross, shed his blood, be buried and raised from the dead to offer forgiveness of sins and eternal life as a free gift. And they can receive that gift of eternal life and have not only their hereafter changed, but the here changed as well. We love you, God, and we ask you to use us this day to make a difference and bring honor and glory to your name. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.